Blessings to you, my friend. This is Pastor McGee with Empowerment Ministries Christian Center, and you're listening to Empower the City Podcast. I pray today that your hearts are blessed, minds renewed, and you are infused with the passion to serve God like never before. Blessings to you, and enjoy the message. Going to be in the book of Romans, chapter number 13, uh, starting at verses number 11, and we're just going to read a couple of scriptures, and um, I'm going to give to you guys what it is that God has placed in my spirit uh, Paul, the, the, Paul writes and he says, besides this, you know, the time hmm, that the hour has come for you to wake up from sleep for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. 12 declares the night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies or drunkenness not in sexual immorality or sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy. 14, this is crazy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the, the, the writer says, and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Father, now in Jesus' mighty name, I want to thank you so much for this opportunity to share the word of God with the people of God. God, right now, hiding myself behind the cross that men may not see, give honor, glory to Greg. But all honor, all glory, God, goes to you this very hour. I love you. Thank you for choosing me. Thank you for downloading this word into my spirit. Help me to give it, Lord God, with clarity and with your divine power. And it is in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen, amen, amen. Uh, watch this, man. Not going to be before you very long. And um, to be honest with you, I really only have one driving point uh, that I just want to pound and pound and pound, something that God has been slow cooking in my soul uh, for the past couple of days now, and it's been disturbing me personally. And if you don't mind, I want to disturb you just to, just for a moment. In the book of John, chapter number one, verses number 14, uh, the writer says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Help me, help me uh, minister just for a moment. If you, if you don't mind, just putting in that chat, grace and truth. The Bible declares glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Just put that in the chat. Verse number 17, the Bible declares for the law. That's right. The law was given through Moses. But grace and truth, there it is again, came through Jesus Christ. Now understand these two concepts of grace and truth, Jesus being full of grace and truth. He came to bring about grace and truth. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. It's the, it's the undeserved blessings that God give us. Does anybody have that testimony, man, that there are some things that you have received of the Lord that you know you did not deserve? Come on, you, you were not that good. You were not that perfect. You had some stuff in your life. Some of you guys got the testimony of being in a really, really dark place and God ministering to you, God speaking to you, God gracing you. That's right. That's what grace is all about. It is that unmerited favor. And I'm, I'm grateful for the grace of God. But Jesus is not only full of grace. The Bible declares that he's also full of truth. When when we speak of truth, we're talking about the standard of rightness. I want to help somebody in this place. Not only is he full of grace, the unmerited favor of God, but he himself is the very standard of rightness. 
And, and it's sad to say in this particular hour, we have highlighted grace at the expense of truth as if God is just a graceful God and there's nothing that he expects of us. But the devil is absolutely a liar. Not only is he full of grace, but the Bible declares that he's full of truth as well. Let me show you how this plays out in a very familiar story in the book of John, chapter number eight. You know the story. There was a woman that was caught in the very act of adultery. I'm talking about literally these guys, these Pharisees dragged her out of bed and they threw her in front of Jesus. She may have had a moment just to grab a sheet, but if she's not naked, she's at least half naked, standing right there, stooping down in front of the Savior. And these Pharisees, they approach Jesus in verse number five, and they say to him, now the law, not, we understand the law comes through Moses, but grace and truth comes through Jesus Christ. They go straight to the law concerning this woman that's called in the very act of adultery. The Bible declares, now the law Oh, excuse me. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? They, they come to Jesus and they say this woman caught in the very act of adultery. Law says stoner. So Jesus, grace and truth, what do you say? So Jesus answers back to them, okay, if you're going to be legalistic and you got to be careful judging people legalistically, Jesus says, if you're going to be legalistically, let's go all the way there. Verse number seven declares, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw the stone at her. So if you're going to use law, let's go ahead and use the whole law because watch this, not only does she deserve to be stoned, but for your sin as well, you deserve to be stoned. But understand, again, Jesus is both grace and he is truth. So he demonstrates grace and truth to her in verse number 10 and 11. The Bible declares Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She says to him, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, watch this, neither do I condemn you. Go and from now on, sin no more. Understand what he does. He demonstrates who he is, the, the totality of who he is, both grace and and he is true. He says, neither do I condemn you. I'm not going to kill you because of your sin. I'm not going to cut you off. I'm not going to write you off. I'm not going to stone you because of what you did. I am going to demonstrate grace, but watch this. I'm also going to give you truth. I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. Understand in the book of Jude, the Bible talks about a people in verse number four that takes the grace of God and they turn it into lasciviousness. And again, we're living in such an hour now where we are a, where we're highlighting grace at the expense of truth, in essence, again, because he loves me, because he cares for me, he don't care how I live. But I'm telling you today, it is breaking the heart of God. And that's what he ministered into my spirit on today. I heard him say that, it, that, that my children are breaking my heart. And it's time for us to turn back to honoring the God that loves us, honoring the God that we say that we love. Where are you going with this, Pastor McGee? Okay. So we began a series, we began a series on last week simply entitled Living the Crucified Life. That's, that's the series, and I hope you guys enjoyed that message. It was a joy ministering that message. I really enjoyed it. So what I want to do, I want to bring a little clarity to this, to this idea of living the crucified life. So I want to define living the crucified life as this, an intentional lifestyle that guards against whatever hinders fellowship with God. Press pause on that for a second. Living, living the crucified life, an intentional, on purpose, style of living, way of living that guards against whatever hinders fellowship with God. I want to highlight this word fellowship. In 1 John 1 and 3, the Bible declares that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you 
so that you too may have, there it is, fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Six, this is crazy. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. He says, don't trip. Now, understand, he's talking to believers now. He's talking to Christians, and he's saying, you, you tripping if you really think that you have fellowship with God <clears throat> while you walking in darkness. No, seven declares, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have, there it is again, fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, understand, press pause for a second. There is a difference between relationship and fellowship. The man of God writes and he says, if you think that you're walking with God in sin, walking with God and in fellowship with him while you're in sin, he says, no, you're deceiving yourself because there's a difference between relationship and fellowship. Relationship identifies where we connect. Fellowship is the strength of that connection. I want to say that one more time. Relationship identifies where we connect. Fellowship highlights the strength of that connection. My wife and I, we've been married for over 20 years now. Our relationship is that we are married. On January 15, 2000, we made a connection relationally. We are married. For the past 20 years, we've never been unmarried. But watch this. Although we have remained married, although we have remained connected, the fellowship hadn't always been what it needs to be. And I, and I have to confess, because we're talking about living the crucified life, the scripture teaches for the husbands that we ought to live the crucified lives concerning our wives. The Bible declares that husbands ought to love their wives the way Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. So if I'm going to throw myself in this definition as a husband living the crucified life concerning my wife, that means that I should have an intentional lifestyle that guards against whatever hinders fellowship with my wife. I want to help somebody. I got to be honest. I got to be transparent because the reality is I've sometimes taken the relationship for granted just because we was connected. Well, we married. She ain't going nowhere. I mean, hey, she'll be all right. It is what it is. And I really didn't focus on the fellowship because of the relationship. And there are some of you guys in your marriage right now, you are not where you should be because some of you guys have forsaken to be intentional to guard against things that would hinder fellowship and you take the relationship for granted. The devil is absolutely a liar. I've had to apologize to my wife and I had to apologize to God for having this nonchalant attitude concerning the fellowship that my wife and I have. Again, relationship, we are married. Fellowship, how strong is your marriage? And there are some of us concerning our relationship with God, it has been the same way. We have taken the grace of God for granted. We, we know that we save. We know that God loves us. We know that God has demonstrated over and over and over again that he is merciful, that he is graceful. But many of us have taken this grace and we're doing what Jude 1.4 teaches, that we're turning it into lasciviousness and we, are, and we are overlooking the truthfulness. Watch this. We're overlooking the fellowship because we're hinged only on the relationship. The devil is absolutely a lie, and we're, many of us are breaking the very hearts of God. We're breaking the hearts of God because we take sin lightly. We take fellowship lightly because if I die, I'm going to heaven. We have this attitude, well, it is what it is. God just going to have to forgive me. I'm just going to lay down my religion on this one right here. And that is not, oh, my God, that is not the attitude that God desires for us to have. I, I want to I show you, I want to show you a guy who has the proper attitude concerning things that hinder fellowship with God. Again, relationship is where I'm connected. 
I am connected to God. That is my relationship. I am a son. I, I am in covenant with him. But I'm, I'm not talking about relationship. I'm talking about fellowship. I'm not talking about the connection. I'm talking about the strength of the connection. And many of us are nonchalant concerning the fellowship that God wants to have with us. In Psalms 51, David had made a mistake. He slept with Bathsheba. He killed, murdered Uriah, and he's in a bad situation right now. And this is his attitude concerning what he did. He says in Psalms 51, I just want to highlight a couple of scriptures. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Seven declares, purge me with hyssop. He, David said, I'm not satisfied with where we are right now, God. I'm not, I'm not satisfied with the fellowship that we have. I know I'm still your king. I know I'm still your son. I know I'm still in position, but I'm not satisfied with the level of closeness that we have right now. He says, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me. And I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquities. He says, God, create in me a clean heart. Oh, God, and renew the right spirit. This is the attitude that God is looking when it comes concerning sin. But too many of us, we fall and we just say, well, God, forgive me. God, go forgive me. I'm, I'm sorry. He, he knows my heart. But the reality is, with your attitude of saying he knows your heart, you're actually breaking his. You're breaking his heart. I know what it is as a father, naturally, as well as spiritually, man. Um, so so what, what I try to do, uh, again, both as a natural and a spiritual father, is posture myself where my, my children can be transparent concerning their failure. I know they're going to tell me everything. I know they're not going to tell me everything. But I do myself my best to try to posture myself where... My, my kids don't have to do anything crazy or go off, or, I mean, just, just go off and, and not be able to communicate something that's really, really troubling them. So what that means is um, I have to demonstrate great grace but truth at the same time. So when my kids come to me with failure, I have to ups, uphold a standard of rightness, but I have to demonstrate grace and let them know that I love them despite and, and all, all of my baby, even Nate on up, that he, that's right, Nathaniel, six years old, on up, has come to me and he shared some things that he did or some things that he said he wasn't proud of. And uh, I, I, had to, I had to demonstrate grace. Even my spiritual children, there, there are some of you guys that have come to me and you've shared some things with me. He said, Pastor, this is what I did and this is, this is where I failed. And, and watch this, as a, as a father, as a father, as a father, um, here's truth. I have to give truth. But I have to open up my arms and embrace you and let you know that I love you. Uh, I love you despite you, despite what you did. And many people have come back, even my natural children, my spiritual children, they've come back later to appreciate the grace that I showed them in restoring them and helping them to get out of the mud pen. But watch this. As a natural father, as a spiritual father, although I demonstrated grace and I love them, that didn't negate the fact that what they did, it did break my heart to see my baby in something crazy like that. It, 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 it did something to my heart. Did, did I demonstrate grace? Yeah, they, showed, they saw the grace, but, but my, heart was, my heart was broken. 
how much more when it comes to God when we take the fellowship we take the relationship for granted and we just say God just gonna have to forgive me and he will forgive you and he if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us but even in forgiving us it still hurts him it hurts his heart he it's demonstrated in the book of revelations chapter number two when he talks to the church of Ephesus you, you know what he says to them he says I see I see what y'all doing. I see your works and, and how, you, how you come against those who are false apostles. And you, you really got it going on, but I, I do have a problem. God says, I got, a, I got an issue. I see all the good things that you're doing. I see the good works, but I got, a, I got an issue. You don't love me the way you used to. Now, this is Jesus complaining. Out of all the things he said that they're doing good, he says, I got an issue, man. Y'all left your first love. You don't love me the way you used to love me. You taking this relationship for granted. No. He says, return to me and do your first work. Treat me how you used to treat me. This is Jesus talking in the book of Revelation. Treat me how you used to treat me. Do you, re oh, there it is, right? Do you remember when you first got saved, man? Do you remember when you first fell in love with Jesus? Do you remember the first time he manifested himself to you? Do you remember when the thing that you did that was so dark, it was so dumb, it was so crazy, but he showed up and said, I love you despite you. I know you in a hog pen, but I'm getting ready to clothe you with a robe. I'm, robe. I'm getting ready to put a ring on your finger, because you still my daughter you still remember when you loved him like that he says you've you've left that and I'm tripping I'm, I'm tripping I'm tripping I'm tripping because I want that I, yeah you see me as a big God in the sky you see me as this omnipotent God and I am all-powerful I am all-knowing I am the creator of all things but I got a soft spot because of because of you and you ain't treating me right. That's what God is saying. To, I'm, uh, that's what God is saying right now. God is saying, you ain't treating me right. You're not treating me right. I've been too good to you. I'm still good to you, even in the midst of what you're going through right now. But you, ain't, you need to treat me better than how you're treating me right now. I don't know what other preachers are preaching across the country, across the world, across my city. I do know that this is the word that God gave me today to give to you guys. God says... You need to treat me better than how you treat me. He told the church of Ephesus, he says, you left your first love. You don't love me the way you used to. I need you to return back to me and do the things that you used to do. Remember how you used to weep even when you just heard my name? Remember how sweet it was just to go into prayer? Remember there was a moment that you'd rather pray than watch TV. You'd rather read the word, come on somebody, than, than go out and hang out with somebody. There was a time that you enjoyed my presence. There was a time there was a joy. But prior, prior to the pandemic, the church was like a chore to some of you guys. Yeah, girl, it's Sunday morning. We got to go to church. But it was a time. Well, you say, God, I can't wait to get into the house of God. I can't wait to lift my hands. I can't wait to sing Zion songs. I can't wait to worship him. I can't wait to hear a word from a God, from the Lord. Even if it cuts me, even if it condemns me, even if it convicts me, even if it tells me to come out of something or stop doing something, as long as I hear a word from my, do you remember those times God says, I want you to get back to that place of loving me. Of loving me, of loving me. Watch this. Here's our foundational text. Oh, God. Paul writes 
And he says, besides this, you know, the time that the hour has come for you to wake up. Wake up from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. He says, we've been wasting time, y'all. Been wasting time. 12 says, the night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off. Stop, stop that. Stop that. He says, cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. He says, live the life that's been bought for you. 13 says, let us walk properly as in the daytime and not, not in orgies, drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in stop the fighting, the quarreling and the, and the jealousy. And this verse 14 is what, what had me. This is, it nailed me. It nailed me. Watch this. But put on the Lord Jesus and he says, make no provision for the flesh. I'm, I'm telling you. That 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 part right there, that that part, that got me there. I was, I've been meditating on this for for about a week and a half, two weeks now. Just that verse number fourteen. Eleven was good, twelve was good, thirteen was good, but fourteen. This part, this part right here. Make no provisions for the flesh. Make no provisions for the flesh. God help me with this, man. I'm I'm tripping. So so watch this. Um. Uh, I I, I made a decision. I made a decision. Um. I made a decision that I would always honor my wife. Um, I'd always honor my wife. My wife, she used to do this. This was this is crazy. This was early in our marriage. Praise God, she don't do it no more. She might do it. I don't know. But early in our marriage, she used to just wake up out of her sleep and look at me and she said, "You cheating on me?" <laughs> and I'm and I brother be half asleep like, "Girl, what? What, what you talking about? I'm <laughs> cheating on you? Are you serious?" And, and you, that, that happened like maybe three or four times. I mean, she'd just wake up and just look at me. Now, the first time, I promise, I was scared because my wife, girl, is crazy. Praise the Lord. I didn't know what she had in the other hand, and I was half asleep. Praise the Lord. You cheating on me? Are you serious? I ain't got time to cheat. And, and I, I remember during that particular time, um, and, and there were a lot of people, friends, uh, some uh, pastoral friends that had fallen into adultery, and it, so it was a bunch of infidelity around us so I guess the enemy was just messing with her mind and I, I remember my wife just having a just a just a heart and heart to heart and she says that uh, Greg if you did that that would really really hurt me that's what my wife said to me she said man that would that would crush me and I, and I saw that in her eye now watch this I've never never planned to cheat on my wife period I'm I, I want the testimony. I want the testimony to be able to give to my son. Stay pure concerning your wife. What you mean, Dad? Stay pure concerning your wife. I want you to honor your wife and give yourself only to her. Did you do that, Dad? I sure did. There's no other woman that knows me besides literally. There's no other woman that before marriage, there's no other woman that knows me before my other than my wife. I want to be able to tell, have the testimony to my daughters. I want to be the standard for their husbands. Yeah, I want, I want my daughters to be able to say, I want my husband to love me like my daddy loved my wife. In essence, I'll never want to have to stand before my daughters and say, and say find a better, 
find a better man than me. I never want to be. I never want to tell my son be a better man than I was because I couldn't keep my pants up. The devil is absolutely a liar. So I made it. Watch this. I made a commitment, man. I'm. I'm gonna do right by my wife. But watch. Watch this. Let me let me show you the extreme measures. The the extreme. I'm I'm not giving you everything, but I just want to show you how extreme. So so if I was to say, don't fall into the pool, don't don't fall into the pool. So that means here's the line. You you can't see this cord right here, but it's a cable right here. So so th this is the line, and that's the pool right there. So don't fall into the pool. Because if I fall into the pool, that's going to hurt my wife. That's going to mess up my reputation. It's going to wreck my ministry. Don't fall into the pool. So I'm going to do whatever I can not to fall into the pool because I don't want to hurt my wife. But that ain't what the scripture says in verse number 14. It doesn't say don't fall. It says make no provisions for a fall. And there are too many of you guys, you living like this. I don't want to fall. I, I don't want to go into that. I don't want to do that. But the scripture don't say just don't fall. It says don't make, don't make provisions for it. So when you say I don't make provisions for it, I never even get close to the line. Come on, somebody. But I'm as far away from the line. I'm, a, I'm as far away from a fall I could possibly I could possibly be. And that's the decision that I made concerning my wife. I put up safeguards. I put up measures. I have accountability in my life. Come on, somebody. I'm not saying that I'm perfect. I'm not saying I could never do anything dumb. But I'm telling you, I've made it very hard for myself to do something crazy because I made no provisions for dumb stuff like that. Too many of you guys living too close to the edge. Now watch this. I love my wife, and I know my wife has a crazy love for me. But she don't love me more than God. She hadn't done as much as God has done for me. And if I'm willing to go to that extreme for this girl that I love so very much, how much more should the scripture be manifested towards the God who's given me everything? It's not enough to say I don't want to hurt God's feelings. Let's define sin for what it really is. It hurts my feelings. When you choose other stuff over me, breaks my heart when you willingly flirt with temptations. I'm done, man. This message is for the people of God. And God says, I'm, I'm telling you what I heard. I heard. I heard this clearly. I heard this word clearly. God says, my people are breaking my heart. Because they've taken the relationship for granted. Just because I've always been there. They say I'm always going to be there. And they just walk around because they know they got a safety net. There's no carefulness. There's no consideration. There's very little conversation. They come to me when they need something. And, and praise God we could do that. Praise God we can go to God in our times of need. But fellas, talk to me for a second. What would it be like if I only came to my wife when I had needs? What do you think she would think of me? Is the only, only time I spent time with her, only time I came home is when I had needs. There was no times we just walked in the park or we just went for a drive or we just laid in the bed and just hung out and watched a movie or ate dinner. Went. We would still be married. We would still have a relationship, 
but how close would the fellowship be? That's the charge for the people of God on today. You still saved. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You close your eyes right now for the final time. Heaven is your home. Praise God. But what about the closeness? What about the fellowship? Does that does that matter? I, I was reading uh, and I forgot what I was what book it was. Um, but the man of God, he was writing and he was talking about a close call accident that he had. <laughs> close call accident. Well, he almost got in a car accident. And if if he would have made just one bad move, he said his life, he know it would have ended just like that. And he says in his writing, he said, I did not have 10 seconds to say anything to God. That's what he that's what he writes. I didn't have I didn't have 10 seconds to say anything to God. He says wherever I was at that particular moment is where I would have been had I closed my eyes for the final time. I didn't have time to get anything right. And there's some of you guys. You counting on a window of time. That you can say, God, oh, I'm so sorry, God. Give me one more chance, God. I, he didn't, he said it was just that quick. I didn't have any time. So I'm challenging the people of God today to take advantage of today. Take advantage of <laughs> opportunity that God has given you to cultivate this relationship and build a great fellowship with our God and with our King. There's some of you guys that's watching me now and you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you hearing, you're hearing what I'm saying and not only you're hearing it, but you're feeling it. And you're saying, Pastor, I actually want that. And my friend, it is for you. It is for you. For God so loved the world. God didn't just love Christians. He didn't just love believers. The Bible declares that he so loved the world. Jesus died for you as well, my friend. And if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible declares that he, you shall be saved. What, what does that mean? That means that I have faith that Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection was a sufficient payment for the penalties of my sins. The Bible declares that the wages, the payment of sin is death, his death, but the gift of God is eternal life. When I choose to embrace Jesus as the true sacrifice and substitute for the payment of my sins, and I confess him and allow me to be the Lord in my life. Salvation happens that fast. Welcome to the kingdom of God. It happens just that fast. But I want to warn you because I'm getting ready to pray for you. I'm getting ready to pray for the, for the unbeliever. I'm getting ready to pray for that individual that's watching me and that's saying, man, I want, I want that. I want that. Jesus, I want that. Man, as I was preparing for this message, man, it almost brought me to tears because I, um, again, I'm, I'm the first partaker, first recipient of this particular message. And this is what I thought. Um, you guys know my testimony. I was saved at an early age. I remember being 13 years old, man, and witnessing and ministering and, and just sharing my faith and sharing the gospel. And, and this is what I had. I had little knowledge, but I had great love. Little knowledge, but great love. And because I had a great love for God, there were bold moves that I made for Jesus. There were things that I, I'm talking about, I, I really stepped outside of the box often with limited knowledge. But what drove you out of the boat, man? What drove you out of your comfort zone to do things that you wouldn't just normally do, that you'd probably do, be too terrified, fearful to do? Little knowledge, but I had great love. And this is, this is the sad reality that happened in my life. I'm telling you, this, 
this word has been a wake-up call for me as well because it's like I traded. I gained great knowledge, but my love began to decrease. Great knowledge, great insight, but little love. God has challenged me personally, son. Fall back in love with me. People have been asking, where are the miracles in the church today? I'll tell you where they are. The miracles aren't about gifts. God gives great deliverances, great breakthroughs to his friends, not just to servants. Moses was considered a friend of God. Abraham was considered a friend of God. They weren't just men who were gifted. They were men who were in love with him. So I want to pray for you today. Father, now in Jesus' mighty name. God, it's my prayer and my desire that we would fall in love with you all over again, Jesus. Oh, my God. That we will fall on our faces and we would realize, God, that the things that we do and say, how they hinder fellowship and closeness. And when we see anything that has the potential to weaken the, the, the fellowship with you, Father, that we fall on our faces and we repent. And we make absolutely no provision for our flesh. So, Father, for my brother and sister that's convicted by this word, Father, thank you now that they repeat. If that's you and you're saying, that's, that's me, just, just type, I, I receive, Pastor. This word is for me. This word is for me. This word is for me. And for that brother and sister that's coming to me for the first time. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, there are just a couple of things I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, if this ministry has impacted your life in any way and you'd love to help us to continue to impact the lives of others, go to our website, empowerthecity.org, and select Give Now. Thank you again for listening to this podcast. We'll see you next time.